This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, bonjour. Do you know any, any fun words? Hola. Hola. Hello and welcome to... I don't know what that was. Nihau. We cut that bit off. What's that one? Nihau. What's Nihau? Isn't Chinese Japanese? Ah, oh, he's got this kid, isn't he? Yeah, it's what about like chow? Because don't they say that Chow's for like Italian hello and, and goodbye? Hello and goodbye and I just, love that. It's just lazy, don't it? It's just easy though, isn't it? Chow, Lazy chow. Italians. Uh, welcome to what before people just reach you and go, what have we put on here? <laughs> the language channel. The language channel, yeah. Uh, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion. How are we? I hope you're okay. Whenever you listen to this, uh, walking your dogs, in your car, just chilling out with your headphones on or your ear pods, as the young kids are wearing these days. Uh, it is me, Neil Fitz. How are you? How are you doing? Uh, joined by you. I think my two favourite people now. Well, I, think, I think you've been promoted. Thank you very much. I used to like Dan Kane, Joe, but I can't, you know, I just they see just, them now. How are you holding him with the knee? Well, I think it is. I think that's absolutely right. I see them in the corner now, just, you know, what are they, just how, how lasses, aren't they? I'm with a bit of youth, a bit of youth, a bit of excitement. Connor Dunn is here and Kiva O'Neill is here. How are we? Very good. You're doing good? You're doing good? Looking yeah, good, very well, good. thank you. Connor sporting a little wrist injury. Explain why. Um, twice within the space of 10 weeks. First, he's doing a Liverpool sport after Barcelona. I got drunk and broke my hand. And then again, I got quite drunk and broke my hand recently. There's but, a trend here, Connor. Yeah. yeah. You know what it means now? You're the lucky thing for us. So you've got to break your hand. Just got to keep breaking my hand. Yeah. We'll keep winning the Champions That's League. never going to heal, pal. That's <laughs> never going to heal. Uh, as we sit now talking to you guys on this podcast, we uh, we are four games in. 4-1, top of the league, Super Cup under the belt. Doesn't get much better, does it, Connor? I absolutely don't think that Klopp and Liverpool could have looked at this period of time and asked for much better. Obviously, winning every single game is amazing, but I don't even think they would have thought we're guaranteed to win every game. That would obviously be the idea, the ideal. But you're absolutely right, it doesn't get any better. And what a strong position they're in, especially because some of the major players coming back with having no real break. And there was a bit of a worry of how they were going to start the season. You know, they've got through to this international break and they've been given a little bit of a chance to rest. Salah's been given a bit of a rest and they're going to come back after this a week and a half off and a bit of training here and there. Absolutely rejuvenated and firing ready for the season to go again. I couldn't, you know, you can't really wish to be in a better position. Absolutely. It is an international break. So fingers crossed they all come back in the position that they went in and don't pick up any injuries. Um, there's an argument to say we haven't really hit form yet as well, Kiva, is there? You know, we're getting results. We're doing it in a really a business-like way, yeah. but also in a, it, 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 it kind of shows the, the first four results. Not all of them because, we, you know, we have trans scored a lot of goals. But there's something about this team now, isn't it? That, that there's, that it feels to me like they go on that pitch and they have that air of in- invincibility, don't they, where teams are kind of going, oh, here we go, European champions. And that's part and parcel of it sometimes, isn't it? They're going on the pitch, kind of half known they're going to get a result. I think it was funny when we played Norwich and everyone was like, because Norwich looked quite bright, didn't they, in the opening like half and... I remember people saying like, oh, a better team than Norwich are going to cause Liverpool some trouble. No, they're not. Like that was just a one-off sort of game, the first game of the season. And then obviously we have games that um, we completely controlled that one. The only real test, I think, is Southampton just because it just felt like, you know, that kind of emotional roller coaster with Liverpool <clears throat> and you can't wait for the whistle to go. Where other than that, we haven't had a game this season, I wouldn't say, that was, I know there's only been four games and obviously the Super Cup, but I don't think there's been that feeling where I've been looking at the clock going, oh my God, I'm counting down the minutes because... No, yeah, I think you're right. And equally, there hasn't been that feeling just yet of absolutely trouncing, being that in fifth gear, 
Rolls Royce kind of Liverpool that we saw uh, on a lot of occasions last season. So, so optimistically, that's still to come. They're still finding their feet, but they're doing it with such a strong squad and such a strong belief that while they're finding their their, their feet, they're not drawing, they're not losing. They're still they're still putting teams to bed. They're so dominant, aren't they? Look all over the pitch and. That confidence is just—it just feels like it's there. And like Connor said, you know, we we could have worried a little bit. Like, are these players going to be fit? But I don't think that's really a thing now. Even with Allison out, and you know, Adrian stepped up, and I feel like we might worry about things for a moment. But this team, I've got enough incredible players yeah. in it to just make it happen. And it feels like, you know, it has been such a strong start, but. It, you're waiting really for the test to come and obviously we face Newcastle, which I'm sure we'll speak about, but you're sort of thinking who are going to really test Liverpool over the Man City this season. It is going to be an interesting one, Connor, cause, cause, because I mean, we don't want a 10th face look, but we want, we, we, we've earned the right to be optimistic and we've earned the right to be confident in our team because of the way they're performing. And it does look like those clashes with City are going to be, are going to be pivotal once again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are going to be the two teams, aren't they? And, it's already a two-horse race. The, both those sides look streets ahead of everyone else. I mean, it's a little surprising how far probably Tottenham... Kiva's microphone is just sharp into her face <laughs> on a spring-loaded thing, but there you go. But yeah. Nearly knocked me out. <laughs> no, but it's, it's definitely, you know, it's between the two teams again, isn't it? And teams added in the summer, but they don't seem to still be quite be at the levels. And I think it's interesting what you said there about teams are getting on the pitch of Liverpool and being like, wow, these are the European champions. And we spoke about it a lot last season. Teams are kind of coming to play Man City at the Etihad and just being like, look, if we can get out of here 1-0, 2-0, yeah. whatever, that's great. And we'll just crack on and fire on next week. And I think, you know, with Liverpool winning the Champions League and with them being so dominating the Premier League last year, they're going to be given that luxury too, where some of the less teams might be have more important games coming up towards the business end of the season where they're fighting for survival. They think if we can just get out of this, not be too tired trying to really push and trying to fight for 1-1, one, 1-0, one, one whatever it might be and just kind of letting Liverpool have a bit more of the ball and a bit more of the play which City got a lot last year and I think that obviously helps City a lot towards the end and yeah, it, it, Liverpool certainly in a good position but again, so so a City and you can't really look past just how good they are and they were pretty unlucky not to beat Tottenham for the only draw they've had out of their first four games and they're just going to be the two teams at the end again, aren't they? Well, as people are saying, VAR was only brought around to stop City winning the league. I mean, the level of Or just paranoia, beating Tottenham. The level of paranoia. Yeah, for beating Tottenham. Pochettino came out after that and was like, I love VAR, didn't he? And yeah, he probably wears well like a VAR top underneath his shirt. It does feel like that. It does feel like, as I say, the big clashes are, are going to uh, come at the Etihad and at Anfield as well. Do you think Klopp do you think Klopp has learnt anything from, from... I mean, obviously, we had a season where we, we did them in the Champions League, but then last year, we, we were lucky to get away with a draw at Anfield because um, uh, Marez missed a pen late, yeah. very, very late on, more or less the last kick of the game. And then Sané's goal in a 2-1 victory for City, you, you could almost say guaranteed the league for them in that respect because it, because it won them points. Do you think he's learnt anything? Because I found... My own personal thing was I found the Klopp went a little bit too defensive certainly in the Anfield game, sat back a lot um, and didn't have that, you know, purposely didn't have that gung-ho kind of cavalier attitude that they had that's, that stunned them uh, in, in the games in the league as well and, and in the Champions League. Do you think he's, what kind of approach do you think he's going to he's gonna put on, on, on the City games this year? I think if you look at the Community Shield, and I know obviously everyone says it's a glorified friendly, but obviously this year it was a chance for Liverpool and City to play. Yeah, there was a lot of stake there. Yeah, it was a bigger game than it normally yeah. was just for what happened and how the season played out. First half, Liverpool looked a little bit all over the place and City were 
a much better side. But then at half time, Klopp made his changes, his tactical tweaks, he said in his press conference, and Liverpool could have quite comfortably yeah. beaten City yeah. in that game. And I just think Klopp might have had, might have worked Pep Guardiola out. And um, Klopp is actually Guardiola's worst manager to face. And I think just because they have faced each other quite a few times and Klopp has had the beating of him a couple of times, that yeah. obviously teaches you a lesson. And when he needed to change something, like in the Community Shield game against City, he did, and Liverpool were a far better team because of that. So I certainly think that you're right, he has sat back very defensively sometimes when City have come to town, but that attitude that actually we do have probably the world's best attack, and they can do some sensational things, and using that to its, <clears throat> to its full potential is, is clearly what he's learning. I think you've got to attack City to beat them yeah. because even though we got beat at the Etihad by playing a really attacking game when they did come to Anfield we did see him that little bit you know we were already thinking that this could be a game that's gonna and you know it kind of was as well sum up you know the title and um, obviously we, we got it we scraped a draw it almost felt like it felt like a good positive result because Mares kicked the ball yeah, yeah. far over the Yanni Road yeah. end yeah and then obviously we went to City and I felt re- it was unlucky because was it like an inch or something? It wasn't even it was like millimetres, wasn't I it, was, it? I think it was less, 11, less it was than le- 11 grains of sand. 11 millimetres, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah. Which is, you know, and of course the goal that Bobby Firmino scored at the Etihad came at the end of it. It was, a, it was something like a 30 pass move, wasn't it? It was incredible. And that sort of gets forgotten because yeah. we lost that night and that sort of, yeah. you know. But when we played against City the season before in the Champions League, obviously... We absolutely battered them. And in the league, we, we battered them in the league. Because, it, because we it? played so attacking and so confident, where I think when Klopp just goes <clears throat> against what he naturally... Liverpool are going to have possession and we play a similar game to City. Yeah. So it's that kind of who's going to dominate this game and sometimes if you let them have more control, I think that just plays into Pep's hands. I think we're the only team more likely to be able to sustain letting them have the ball a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think like with any team, the best way you've got to... To beat them is to is to high press, force mistakes. But I think you, I think you hit it on the year before, Connor. I think a lot of teams will go to City, and I think Liverpool now as well, and think let's just try and get away with this uh, as little as we can, which means that it sort of stifles their performances. You know, the, the the times when City were beaten last season, they were pressed, they were yeah. made to make mistakes. It's uh, not something they're used to, is it? No, it's not. This is the thing they're used to when you sit back and let them play this this lovely style of you know, possession football and passing and spraying the ball around. Well, that's that's not going to end up any other way than a defeat, is it? Because you're, you're, you're calling them on, you're saying, you know, break us down and they inevitably will because they've got the manpower to do it. Yeah, and that's it as well. And you look at, they've never won the Champions League. They get knocked out of the Champions League because that is knockout football and teams need to beat them. Teams yeah, need to come out attack. Teams need to score. Teams need to get ahead. And that's when they're susceptible to getting beaten. And I definitely think that's, you know, the kind of approach Liverpool are going to need to take with City I would really year. like to see that. I mean, I, you know, in many ways it's get beat 4-0, get beat, you know, get beat 1-0. It doesn't really matter. I'd like to see what Klopp can throw at them. Yeah, come on and give this them a really good kind of game. links into that why attacking teams who come up from the championship get relegated because if you look at Huddersfield and the types of teams like that because you can't it's so nice to watch isn't it and you want them to like go and have yeah. a good game against City and have a lot of the ball and it, it doesn't work out in the end because as soon as they you're just going to get yeah, you're just going to get punished but yeah. it's lovely to watch and I encourage any team visiting the, visiting the Etihad <laughs> the Etihad to please you know have yeah. a little go yeah. um, it'll be the same attendance as the championship game anyway so you might as well make it <laughs> uh, just you mentioned you mentioned our, our front three uh, and uh, let's have a little chat about what happened 
when Mane was brought off, uh, he had a bit of a petulant strop. I don't know how, how you guys feel about that. I, I hated seeing that. I hated seeing it because I hate, you know, one of the things that's driving Liverpool forward is, 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 and in the media as well and, and, and is generally accepted is this, the camaraderie. The camaraderie, the friendship, the, the, the togetherness, the units that Liverpool are, are, are becoming. And, and, I, and I know he was frustrated and I know that, you know, he did it twice. He, he should have put Firmino in salad as well. Uh, he should have put Manny in, but I just found that that sort of st- that reaction to Manny was just something that gives ammunition it gives ammunition to the media and it gives ammunition to other clubs to say all ain't well there now it's probably all blown over but I- I'd like to have seen the club come out with, a, with some sort of official statement and Manny to say sorry I was having a bit of a bad week what do you think about that Connor? so it's different isn't it you don't often see Mane or Salah or any of those reacting like that because they seem quite humble quite gentle people and obviously all seems well in Liverpool and a great harmony personally don't really mind seeing it I think it shows a pure passion that he's just so desperate to score um, so much has obviously been made of that afterwards and Klopp came that's out. why though it, it yeah, gives ammunition I know to of that. course it does but then the Liverpool players themselves are on Instagram taking the mick out of it and posting comments underneath each other's posts. And yeah, Milner just, was great, wasn't he? As per usual, Milner yeah, he got really super. Because, but then Manny replied to that post under Milner's, and you know, I think it just seems to blown out of proportion. I just wish something between Manny and Salah would have come out because I mean, you know, the one fear that every Liverpool fan around the world has is that one of them is going to put a transfer request in, or one of them is going to start saying, "I'm not happy," here because you are breaking up that. You know that the, the the trifecta. You're breaking up the the, the that three pronged attack, aren't you? And, and it worries me when it, it and it still w- knocks me a little bit that no one's come out like like Manny could easily have gone. Press could have come to Manny and said, "Look, just pop something out saying just before the international break." Absolutely oh, about that was a bit, but he didn't. And and it it spoke volumes to me that that, that he didn't personally come out and say say that was a bit. And even even Salah to say, "Oh, next time I'm going to look into." It just seems to I be... think they probably wouldn't want them to because Henderson, he spoke after the game and then Klopp obviously spoke about it. I feel like enough people in the club and obviously the c- club captain have, and the manager have sort of had their say and just said, you know, everything's okay in the dressing room. This is just Mane getting a bit frustrated, which I thought was good to see just because, you know, obviously he's hungry and obviously Salah is as well, not to Salah pass to him, you know. Well. It's... So it's not really a bad thing. And, you know, for any fans worried about it, I wouldn't say it was concerning at all because Liverpool now are in a position where if Salah or Mane were, you know, unhappy and wanted to leave, I don't think it would be a big loss to Liverpool in terms of an individual leaving the club because we feel bigger now. I know everyone used to sort of say, you know, the club's bigger than anyone, but at the minute it really does feel like this is just something that's, you know, moving along nicely and no one can disrupt it like... The Suarez and Torres is of the past leave and it can't there's it just felt a like balance very much there then, now. Didn't it, that if they left then it would be like a complunk, wouldn't it? I like haven't said that though. Them. I don't think there is an issue between Salah and Manny. I think they're just you know No, but, but it just in terms just of putting things goals. to bed, it should have been like putting your arm around it, you yeah. have a little photograph laughing and joking. A couple of things to note, I think though, we obviously know and everybody listening probably knows how the press, how the national press in particular can twist things. If Mane or Salah came out and give a quick interview, those quotes can get taken out of all proportion yeah. again and give even more ammunition. The other thing I want to say is Andrew Beasley, he writes a column every week for The Echo and he's a really decent statistician, um, really interesting guy. He actually looked back over all Mane and Salah's passes and they are each other's favourite teammates to pass to and assist yeah. in 
any other in out of any Liverpool teammate. So it goes way beyond. And then you've got to think as well. Well, it was it was just a moment of frustration. We get that, but it was just maybe he screamed at Klopp as well, and Klopp's yeah. kind of looking back, thinking, and you just go, all right, people, just chill out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just it? don't see it, do you? No, you see no, it at so many other clubs. It's just it's probably the first time we've ever seen it, particularly for many of those front three. And as I say, you know, these humble kind of guys, that everything's really rosy. But I don't know. Sometimes it's a football issue, I think, more than anything else. So one of those for me and I quite like to see it yeah a little release of just maybe a little bit of pressure and stuff too because obviously you know we're going gun coat for the title and yeah. you know I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that they're showing their emotions in this way and um, I think I've got a good feeling that against Newcastle we could have that press release almost of them two just like assisting each other and you know having a nice little let's, hug let's hope so and talking about players as well and us playing being a club in the past I couldn't really hold on to the big players uh, a new six-year deal for Virgil Van Dijk. Is that got, not they're not going to not get done? It's not true. It's not true. No. So no, that's why we're here to discuss. <laughs> yeah. So that was um, a story that came from a couple of the national papers. But um, Van Dijk is under contract to Liverpool till 2023. He's one of the highest earners. He is getting quite a lot in clean sheet bonuses. He's not very worried about money in that no. respect. After Liverpool, you know, got 21 clean sheets and only conceded 22 goals last season in the Premier League. Um, and he, he does a car boot sale once a month. Gets a few quid <laughs> off that. But he's he's not agitating for a move. I know that Liverpool are happy that if he wanted to, if his representatives came and said, "Look, I want a new deal." then they're going to give it to him. You know, he's a defender in line for the Ballon d'Or. He's a Liverpool player in line for the Ballon d'Or. It's crazy the standard he's reached. But yeah, yeah he, he's not agitating for a new deal anytime soon. And he's got four years left on his deal, which is a pretty decent one of that as well. I'd like to think that he seems like the kind of guy who's, 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 who's puts, puts where he is and his happiness before yeah, the he, accolades. And he's getting the accolades anyway. Let's face it. It's not like he's... Because Real Madrid have come sniffing around him, inevitably. Um and uh, and it's nice to think that we're at a we're in a position as a football club now where we can turn around to them and say just you know jog on. It's not even a worry, I don't think, is there? No, it, does, it can't it doesn't be. Doesn't even can feel it? Like, <clears throat> like I sort of said before, you know, the club now just feels like in such a different shape than it was just not even long ago. Like you have to pinch yourself to go, oh my god, it was like only a few seasons ago that it was just you know just a madness, really, wasn't it? Only a few um, seasons ago that we were being called stupid for paying that money for him. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, now Harry Maguire goes for, what, 10 million more? 85 million, and he's already conceding goals. He's misplacing passes. He's doing all the things <laughs> that Virgil van Dijk... Everyone wanted him to do. Yeah. He felt, yeah. you know, yeah. everyone yeah. who isn't... Absolutely. Well, our next two, of course, you know, the, we always sort of have a measure on the league of the first six games. When we get the first six games out the way, see how we are. Our next two games, uh, d- despite Napoli, obviously we've got Napoli in the, in middle, the Champions yeah. League. So we've got uh, Newcastle, probably the bigger of the six, let's face it, is going to be Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And it'd be interesting to see how they line up, particularly with the recent form of Gini Wijnaldum. We'll have to speak about this. I mean, because he, he plays in a more advanced role, doesn't he, internationally? He does indeed. And and obviously after him commenting after the Barcelona game saying he was really annoyed to get left on the bench and he'd come out and he'd fire. Because we only ever see Gini Wijnaldum as a holding midfielder, don't we? And it must have been really frustrating for him to see the mantle of, of attacking midfielder being pushed to Henderson. Although Henderson's, you know, he's kicked on with it. But it's interesting to see that we've got that kind of player, isn't it? Because, I mean, certainly the goals against Germany, he's got the assist against Germany, the lifting over for the uh, for that goal was brilliant. And his own goal from, from the... Um, 
from the Memphis Depay cross was just, I mean, it was sprinting into the box to get on the end of it. That's a diff- completely different position, isn't it? Yeah, well, he started his career as an attacking midfielder or out on the wings, and that is where he plays for Holland. And it's really interesting because he absolutely has thrived in that role, to be <clears> fair. I think, what is it? five goals and four assists in his last eight games. And that's coming against the likes of Germany and France who are world champions. So it's serious opposition. He's clearly a player. But then I think you've got to look at it like, is Wijnaldum playing his best football in that holding role? You know, Klopp has transformed him into a holding midfielder and he's unbelievable at that as well, to be fair. But it's a really nice problem for Klopp to it have. It really is an interesting ace to have up the sleeve, yeah. isn't it? If we're in a position where we're having to go, go, you know, we're having to push forward to try and get a result, knowing that you can unleash a player that's used to being able to do that as well as being able to hold. And I think every time the international break comes around and when Aldem has a brilliant time with Holland, we're kind of like questioning it again, like, should he be playing further forward? And obviously, was it the Barcelona, the first leg he played in like the... Did he play? Was he playing further forward in that? And then obviously he sort of got dropped in the next game, and then obviously yeah. scored that amazing brace, yeah, which yeah. is go down in history now. And I feel like he does have them moments, but I don't know if it always goes right for him, like playing further no, forward. Of course, yeah. And and it has to be the structure is, of the team you're playing further further forward. He is unbelievable at keeping the ball close, and there yeah. can be like four very, players very around him. Yeah, he's he's almost underrated, like how. It's like he's. It's. I'm not gonna just say messy. Like, but there's a a magnetism in did. his feet. I'm doing it. <laughs> there's a magnetism in his feet that you don't get with a lot of players. No, he has great he seems to and just, strength, isn't it? And just awareness of who's around him and where to push the ball. And you know, if we could get some more goals out of him, that'd be obviously great because you know the midfield have lacked goals in the past couple of seasons when we have scored a lot of goals. In fairness, but you know they've been coming from elsewhere, and I think you know. That could ju- he could just be next level if he if we let him and I think is he twenty eight now so you know he's still got a few more seasons of absolute in his peak and just you know I think it would be would be nice to see him like because he just seems to have a spring in his step when you watch him in in the orange of yeah. of the Netherlands so. I think he has that for Liverpool, but obviously we're harnessing him in a different way. Well, like you're saying, he's, and he's brilliant at that as well. So he's such a utility player, exactly what kind of club likes as a player, isn't he? Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. So we got Napoli. Um, got to be happy with the group. Yeah, got to I mean, be happy with the group. You couldn't have really looked at a much better group. I know City's is, is pretty kind as well. But yeah. they're, they're, kind. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, yeah, but they always get a decent draw. Like Bert and Albion in the Cups. <laughs> uh, we've got Genk, we've got Napoli, uh, decent side Napoli to be fair, and Red Bull as well. So. Yeah, and I think to be honest, we obviously know Napoli and we've had the beating of Napoli and you know we've had tough games and they are yeah. a tough place to go no matter what. But to, for them to be the best team in our group is is solid and, and Genk and Salzburg will be nice places to go, be nice away trips, the fans will the be nice, solid. Nice trip Salzburg. Yeah, it, it's just pleasant, isn't it? And it's yeah. not like Liverpool are going to go in this super hostile atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, or any of the Russian sides or any of them sides. Or Galatasaray or yeah, any yeah, of those yeah, kind yeah. of any of those kind of teams that might not be your peak pedigree players is but the, the fans are absolutely yeah. on you all the time and, yeah. and Red Star to that effect as yeah. well were that was intense crazy incredible we just crumbled on yeah that. we did yeah. I mean yeah well I was listening to that on Five Live on one of the stations anyway and, and, and the guy comments says he's never ever 
felt an atmosphere like that, and it, you know, you can understand why. No matter professional football or not, it was hostile. It was loud. It was in your face, and it just kind of it showed that twelfth man thing, didn't it? Yeah, and that's what we're not going to get with Genk and Salzburg this year. Well, you know, they'll be lively. They'll be loud. The German, like the Austrian fans, will be great. And yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about. It. They'll be loud. They'll be, you know, but they'll be in good spirits more than trying to absolutely rip the heads off every single one of our players. So, yeah, I think it's a really pleasant draw. But this. And this next period coming up for Liverpool is, is super, super busy. I think they've got six games in 18 days and yeah, they're going to be ringing some changes. I, I'm just going to read them out, actually, because it is it is a phenomenal October. September into October. So we've got Napoli, we've got Newcastle Sunday, then we've got Napoli, then we've got Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and then we've got MK Dons in the League Cup. Uh, Sheffield United away. Uh, Salzburg at home. Leicester and then Man United at Old Trafford as well. So, but I guess every game now we just have to. It's difficult, isn't it? Because it, it, we're almost beyond that. Oh, that that could be a tough game now. Yeah. They're all going to be tough games, but I think we have to believe that we've got enough in the army to be able to get through these games. Yeah, I think this probably would have been a period of of games where Liverpool fans before this before, during the summer transfer window were saying, "Look, we're going to have loads of games in a row coming at points in the season. We're going to need a deep squad." But then you look at it and the likes of Shakiri. Lana, I think they're going to be Arigi. trying. To get, they're going to be getting plays. Get, Chamberlain. Yeah, they're they, going to be getting games. Aren't they, they haven't really played, have they? In this period of time, is going to be so important for them, yeah. particularly with the likes of MK Dons in the League Cup. And you have got to think they're going to be looking at that, probably even Newcastle this weekend and thinking this is going to be our chance, like our time to take a chance. I think. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of? Um, <clears throat> or what uh, do you have any updates on talking to players that are going to be coming into the squad roles? Oxley Chamberlains and uh, and, and the Shakiris. What's the update on uh, on uh, on Naby Keita's injury? Because he's just he's, I know somebody brought out the stats in. He hasn't been injured that much, but it just feels like he's been injured a lot. Yeah, so he is going through a training program over this international break at Melwood alongside Allison, and both are well, both have reportedly progressed really well, but they have Liverpool haven't given a specific timescale of when they might be back, but. Hoping Kate is going to be sooner than Allison, which probably gives you some indication that it will be over the next couple of weeks for definite. So, I mean, he's certainly someone that we, we we're, we're all desperate to just see him have a run of games, aren't yeah, we? Exactly. I think because he's been so in and out of it, and then when he was, he really got into it, didn't he? And then obviously he got that injury against Barcelona, and that was kind of it for him. And then he's obviously struggled since then to sort of regain his fitness. And then he's, you know, another injury. I don't know if it's a separate one to the one, or yeah, is it just so. a recurring? But I think it's difficult, isn't it? Especially when he's probably looking towards like Fabinho coming the same and was in the same boat this time last year, not getting played, didn't really know what was going on. And he's sort of in that boat again. And, you know, he's a player who Liverpool fans have known, it feels like, forever now and have been, you know, keeping track of his career. Obviously, when we were potentially signing them then when we did and he stayed. It was that year away, I think, yeah, wasn't it? Just yeah, underlined. I think, I think that didn't help him. I think. Looking at that again, I'm not sure whether Klopp and Liverpool would would want to wait again, what do you think, for a player? Because I don't know if it's a good thing. Because if they don't have a good season or they do, it's still gonna be I think I think in that I think in terms of that is it was they were so desperate to land that player that they did that just so anyone else could yeah. you had the deal done and then put to bed. Because it's a the very Bayern Munich thing, isn't it? You know, we'll get a player in, but you're coming next year and yeah. You know, it was different to see Liverpool work that I way. I think contractually a lot of clubs will do that because they just don't want to lose the player straight away anyway. Do they say, OK, well, we'll bend to that, but give us the season out of them. Yeah, exactly. The, their know. parent club is yeah. is what put that deal in place, yeah. I think, and just sort of saying we, wanna, we want him we to want play him. for us still. So, yeah. you know, you can have him next year. But no, I, it's, a, it's a really frustrating 
thing with Cater because, as you say, when he's come into the team, he's shown just bits of magic, really. Yeah. And you think, this is the player we, we've got and the player you really want to shine and the player we're all crying out for to, to come and light up that link between the defence and midfield and the attack. And I don't know, I hope just... You just got to hope, haven't you, that when he comes back after this injury that he's going to get a decent run of games and, and show us what he can do. Yeah, fingers crossed, yeah. I mean, talking about players coming and going, there's a nice little piece on, on the echo. Sam Cattle did it as well, surprisingly. I didn't, I didn't Is know this you... the, the best or worst transfers? The worst transfers. Uh, here we go. Um, top... I don't agree with number one. I'm going to put that out there right now. Yeah, well, it's an interesting one. We'll put it out there and Which let people discuss it best, anyway. Uh, this is the worst transfers of the last decade ranked by Sam, so it doesn't mean anything. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, in at number 10 we should have some top of the pop in at number 10 Loris Carius Loris Carius discuss it's he's a tricky one isn't he Um, you know some good performances in Carius but you're only ever going to remember him in a Liverpool shirt for losing that Champions League final and the howls he had and so I can understand why he's on that list yeah, he was voted the second best Bundesliga goalkeeper behind Manuel Neuer in 2016. Boy, oh boy. I think was... he showed a lot of promise and he came I from... think his mum did that. He came <laughs> from Mainz, didn't he? Where Refreshing obviously, cookies over and over again. Yeah, obviously yeah. Klopp was their manager and played for them and I think there was maybe just some kind of emotional connection there and he saw him and obviously the people he's probably still mates of at the club were saying a, a lot of good things and then he comes and he kind of doesn't really... He doesn't. Do you think his problem was literally a nerve problem? Do you think he just froze when he got to that club? I mean, the Champions League thing, you know, he, he came out and said, and there is evidence to see that he got a thump off Ramos. He did, yeah. And then so, so, so there was a case from saying he was, he, was, he was concussed because Ramos just went about the place, didn't he? I just don't think, despite mistakes or despite performances or despite nerves or shakiness, he didn't help himself by playing this Instagram yeah. celebrity model. Yeah, absolutely. After you losing the Champions League final, you want to like that. Like, I think you got, it was, yeah, keep I think yourself it was head like, low. Yeah. And he's, was it Malibu or somewhere? Okay, or yeah, Malibu. California, just, just like this, this mad like, video on Instagram. That mad training video yeah, with the drone like, and stuff. Yeah, drones and, and it was like all this music. Pouring water over his head. It was just extraordinary, wasn't it? Ridiculous, really, isn't it? When, you know, Imagine Liverpool players of the past losing Champions League final like that and coming out and oh. you just would never see it. So I just don't think he helps himself really and probably all of that is why he's on that list yeah. to be fair. Well, it says, it says here we got him for five million, struck a cup price deal to f- for five million pounds with Mainz to, uh, to bring him to Liverpool. It's five million pounds over the top to be honest with you. Number nine, Charlie Adam. Uh, Jamie Carragher once claimed Adam left Stephen Gerrard fearing for his place. We got, bought him for seven million from relegated to Blackpool. And I remember the season he had with Blackpool. He was he was like the the best set piece deliverer of a ball in the league. His corners, his free kicks, top corner. His corners were virtually landing on the heads of the defenders to thump in. He didn't seem like for me. He didn't seem like a bad idea. Um, but he was just found once and money. It was just a step too far. Yeah, that's. I think that is exactly nail on the head with Charlie Adam. With all respect, he looked like a great player at that point when he came. Um, and as you say, set piece specialist looked like a decent option, but. Just a little bit of a step too much up um, for perhaps where his talent was, but it's no disrespect for him because I thought he was a decent enough player. Yeah, but he, yeah just... he went on to show quality and moments for Stoke, but I feel like that's what he done for Blackpool. But maybe we just got overexcited that he was going to be this, yeah. you know, just off the park, just unbelievable. Well, what it was was he... he was one of them players who he looked like he didn't have to do much in a game, 
he was sort of lazed about, and then when we bought him, we realised that that's because he was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't because he it wasn't because he possessed the magic of a footballer where he saw it slow, slower than everyone else, like spider senses. It was just lazy. Yeah, it just actually was a bit slow. Yeah. Yeah. He let them all go past him because he couldn't be bothered, yeah. uh, which is a big difference. Um, and he's also as well. He's one of the ones where you go, well, we got him from relegated Blackpool, and he, he, it's always a worry when you buy players like that. And then along came Andy Robertson to put all that to bed, didn't he? Yeah, quite yeah. frankly, uh, in a number eight, Joe Cole uh, made me laugh the other day when Liverpool were playing Chelsea in the Super Cup, and he kept referring to Chelsea as us. We, yeah, we, we and us, I know. Yeah, well, that just sums up his time here. <laughs> Part of the headache of Roy Hodgson, wasn't he? Let's be honest with you. Um, a free agents. Rumoured to be earning in the region of 90,000 a week at Anfield. 26 Premier League appearances was enough to convince Brendan Rodgers that this was a player on the wane. You are not kidding there. Uh, Cole later said, I can only play for teams that I'm passionate about and I think that's what went wrong for me at Liverpool. What a part and shot that was. <laughs> you absolute arse. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're passionate about Chelsea and West Ham, good luck to you. Number seven, it's, I think this is possibly number one for me. Go on. Christian Poulsen. Oh, wow. I mean, that's like, you know, that's the football, that's the football, football transfer equivalent to waking up with a massive hangover in bed next to a horse, isn't it? <laughs> thinking, what did I do? Or a horse's head. You... It's just a horse, well, anything, yeah. <laughs> just what did I do? What have I done? What was I thinking? It was a... It was Hodgson. At the hock time, wasn't it? That sort of era of yeah. incomings. It was Liverpool's in the day, and I think it really was. I, think, I don't think it got any lower for Liverpool. We were, we were, we were around about that period when we were far away from the administration. We were, we were in real trouble. They were talking about uh, Alan Kirbishley as a manager. Yeah. Wow. That's how poor Hodgson in the dugout. Near the relegation, well, in the relegation and zone, I remember no, being like I don't know if he's on the list but like Milan Jovanovic and you'd be like yeah the, the, you know he's got some good like we were sort of all like lulled into this like as just though it was good for something yeah. nothing almost really it weren't just, we but. Yeah, it was really was hope it was clinging on to whatever we could and it was almost like we'd give ourselves that false thing of going yeah no we've heard he's really good Yeah, but when we kind of were crying inside going mm-hmm. what have we <laughs> what's going Christian on Christian Poulsen I remember going who and not just who as in oh I've seen him but I don't know his name who as in who? Yeah. Uh, re- quickly replaced by Jay Spearing in the team. <laughs> no, no disrespect to Jay, but, you know, um, he was a Danish midfielder and he joined Evian 12 months after signing for Liverpool. I presume that's the water company. Um, <laughs> extraordinary. That, that, and, and again, I don't know what Hodgson... You can only imagine that someone's written his name on a piece of paper and going, yeah, he's good. And he's gone, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right, who are you? I'm the cleaner. All right, we'll buy him. Uh, number six, Mario Balotelli. This, for me... I wouldn't say it's my worst transfer of the last decade, but probably my most disappointing. Yeah. I thought he, you know, I thought Balotelli, well, he is a good player, but this is a story of every club he goes to. You know, he, he calms you, excites you, think we can do something with him. That's the one, isn't it? And he's the, broke, he's the bed with the broken wing that we can Did fix. absolutely nothing for him. He scored one Premier League goal and he was just an idiot, basically. Yeah, and just, I was, but I, the thing is, I was so disappointed because I was, I was really excited for him to come and I was excited about him being the striker and scoring goals. And yeah, he just it was <laughs> didn't, shocking. didn't happen. It never did worked it. It was, out, did it? And he was, it was so I, bad. It, it was, it I was, thought it could have been like a storage. That's what it felt like. You know, we'd take this as a sort of his last chance to lose and come into a big club. Like you're not going to get, and it worked out well, obviously, for Daniel Sturridge, but... I was hoping that it could have been like that. For 16 Balotelli, million but... quid. And I didn't Rogers go back on this recently and, and say uh, that was a that was a sign that was completely forced on him? Yeah, I think he has said that, but there was there was all sorts of problems going on around that time, wasn't there? But you know so... the interesting thing about Balotelli, I went I I travelled to um to the Ataturk to watch Liverpool Besiktas in the Europa League and I travelled with the team. We stayed in the hotel with the team and stuff. 
And Balotelli remains the one focal point for, for everyone. He has a, a charisma that is extraordinary. He walked in the room with the other players. And everyone just went for Balotelli. He has this thing about him. And, a fo- and, and I think everyone, I don't think there's a player that Liverpool fans have ever wanted it to work for more. Yeah. We really want, not because we'd sp- spent 16 million quid on him, because we something just liked him. him. There was something about his yeah. character. Yeah, there was something I, about I can him vouch f- for that because I was in a hotel in London years ago when he played for City. And everyone was when Milner played for them, Barry, Aguero, everyone's walking out, David Silver, company, all these big, amazing, you know players and there was loads of fans outside and he just seemed to be more bothered about Balotelli. He had this like air of really just did. something, I, I experienced he? that. I did miss the same as you. I experienced it. We Because when you go up to team, you have this opportunity to, you basically, you can get a merchandise, you can get balls and you can get tops and you, and you put them on a table in a, in, a, in like an off room, like a little a room off where they're having their meal and then they are contractually obliged to come through and sign everything. Um, although I haven't learned it. But... Um, <laughs> But we were all. I'm sure of, if he's listening, Neil. I'm sure if he's listening, yeah, he's, you know, I'll never forgive you. No. <laughs> uh, so we were all whipping our tops, and, and and so one by one, so the Raheem Sterlings and, and the Daniel Sturges, every, virtually everyone apart from Adam Milana, uh, came in and was signing top. You're desperate for a sign top, aren't you? <laughs> he's desperate for a sign top. Um, it was when Balotelli walked in the room that everyone just—it was—it was an extraordinary moment because it was this. Magnetism, this, uh, and and I think that's why everyone wanted it to work for them, and it didn't. Um, continuously didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think there's it, been much because he tapped more. into the star quality thing, didn't yeah. he? By and the end of that did. season, though, we couldn't even play him. No. They were trying all sorts up front. Raheem Sterling, which you know now would look like a great move, but really good at the time. It was just yeah, it was anyone other than Balotelli, wasn't it? And it yeah, was it was extraordinary. Was silly. It was, I remember hearing the story. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm going to say it anyway. When, when he first came to. I think it was Liverpool. He was he was he was renting out, or the club were renting him a house in Formby. It was worth over a million quid or whatever. And he went out with his mates paintballing, and then bought the equipment and come back and carried on the game inside the guy's house. <laughs> I mean, it I mean that might it not be true. Surprise me. That might not be true. And if uh, allegedly is the big word there, but it was a story that I had. But but he has a he has a string of them stories, doesn't mm. he? Oh, it was when he um, fireworks in his in his in writing off his Lamborghini and telling the police, "Oh, I'm not bothered. I'm rich and all this." Well, he got he got stopped for speeding, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, remember like he walk, but then he'd have that where he'd like walk into restaurants and just like pay for everyone's, everyone's food. Meals, and yeah. I know like, there's, I mean, uh, you, you know, we're making light of it, but 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 his story is quite a sad one. His upbringing, he was he was he was um, he was given up for adoption, or he was he was sort of his parents yeah. didn't want to know him. He, t- he was. I think he's under medication for, for 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 various things, and then apparently he went back and found his parents, and they still didn't want to know him. I think he, he I think he carries a lot with him, Donny, and uh, and he's still the kind of person who, who I'd like. Just if he yeah, is, man, yeah. it's something about it. He's like yeah. someone who you'd love to interview him. I think he'd give you a lot, wouldn't he? Yeah, in terms it's of like, just being, it's like just coveting something that that, that, that you shouldn't. It's <laughs> yeah. it's like you know we re- we still kind of want to do well. Um, number five, Fabio Barini. It's an interesting one because um, he, uh, Brendan Rodgers, oh, I always remember people who say about it, yeah, but look at his movement. Look at his movement. And I'd be saying, well, where's his goals? Where's though? his goals, yeah, scoring goals. His movement, your striker. The, the one time he bit his hand after scoring, that yeah. was his annoying little looking back now. And then he did, did he go back to, who did he go back to? Was it Southampton he went to? Sunderland, Sunderland and he Sunderland actually and he saved them. Yeah, yeah, he kept yeah. them up like the season before they did go down. 
But it's levels again, isn't it? Yeah, it keeps Sunderland up or, you know, uh, uh, fighting for the top four or whatever. Here's Brendan Rodgers' quote on Fabio Barini. I'd anticipate that over the next two or three years he'll really progress and I'm sure he'll do very well for Liverpool. I mean, even that isn't... That isn't groundbreaking. I'm sure he'll progress. I'm sure, you know. (laughs) Fabio fits the model of what we're trying to do in building, not only for now, but also for the future at Leicester. Um, (laughs) 38 games, three goals later in all competitions. £11 million former Chelsea talent is currently entering his third season with AC Milan following a, sp- a spell at Sunderland. Some people have really good agents, don't they? Yeah, um, so. Yeah, <laughs> done well, absolutely. You know, but yeah. Yeah. Number four, Stuart Downing. Here's another one. Downing was a regular fixture in the Liverpool side after joining under Kelly Dalglish in 2011. Brendan Rodgers kept faith in the winger the following season, despite being one of England's most established stars at the time. The £20 million man failed to live up to expectations. He registered three goals and seven assists in more than 50 Premier League appearances for Liverpool. It's astonishing. And it always felt like he had a lot of the ball. So yeah. what was he doing with it? When you look back, it always he felt like Barini's he was... He run, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it, this could possibly make... Well, maybe Poulsen was number one for me because I still can't get over that. But a, a, a close number two, but he is actually number three in this. So me and Sam are kind of... Almost not, agreeing. Not too far off on this. Um, Paul Koncheski. <laughs> this was the moment where we went, but you're home now? Yeah, yeah. Paul Koncheski. I mean... Despite his terrible exploits on the football pitch, his mum calling people scouse scum was just unbelievable. That was his highlight? And, you know, got to be up there. Top three for certain for me. Yeah, 100%. I think for the next 100 years, possibly. Yeah. Like, how can it get... I think that, like what we said before about that era of just what the hell is going on, like it just goes yeah. into that. And these players he's like, have arrived. What the hell is going I mean, on, I think... I yeah, think, I mean, he's I just like... Sorry, I think he's, he's one of the main reasons why, yeah, you know... Roy Hodgson's reign will be will be forever, you know, locked in a time capsule and fired off to Mars because because it it was like one of those weird frightening. It's like when you wake up on a Saturday and you think it's like a Next Friday to a horse and you're meant to you meant to be in work and you go oh and there's that little bit of confusion <laughs> but this confusion just went on for like months. Yeah. It was just like what it was like the entire city had loads of Jägermeisters and then like ah oh, what was the last. What happened the last few months? Because we don't know. <laughs> uh, it was extraordinary. Um, so he's number three, Konczewski, I'd argue, yeah. One or two, I'd agree with you on that. Number two, there's a guy who I wanted it to work for as well, but it never did, Lazar Markovic. Yeah, it came with so much promise, didn't he? And there was a lot of excitement. People were touting him as literally Europe's next best superstar. Yeah. And to be fair, we, you know, we were all sucked into that. I thought he was going to be really good. But I think just with the way his career played out and how much money he was being paid and not playing and it was it was just it was just a He punched the finger squarely time. at Rogers, doesn't he? Because he said he never ever played him where he wanted to be. Yeah, that, that that is the that was probably one of his issues, but just he just didn't give Liverpool anything, did he, at all? He just seemed to stay around for ages as well, didn't he? He was just like It was literally couldn't get shut of him, wasn't we he? Literally, yeah. like, literally, he's literally away with twenty pounds yeah. worth of petrol and no one wants no one. him. It was extraordinary. Where is he now? He's gone home, home, hasn't he? To his first club. Loan spells. The first club he come from, uh, Partizan. Serbia, FK Partizan. Yeah, Markovic would be forgiven for being fairly disappointed. Yeah, he signed back for them. So like, sort of. He's a mascot now, isn't he? Uh, And number one, and I think you're right to ask this because he did a damn sight more than some of the people on this. Number one, he's got down here. I don't know whether he's doing them as a ten to one or whether he's just listing them, but he's got Andy Carroll down. All right, he was thirty-five million quid, but he was part of that fifty million pound thing. He also brought Suarez. Alongside him. Everton at Wembley. 
Everton at Wembley. I mean, that alone's worth 35 million quid, isn't it, for God's sake? I think yeah. that's what you think back to just that one moment, but maybe, you know. Couple against the Manchester. Couple against City. Yeah, uh, 35 million pounds. He's gone home, so, you know. Yeah. He's gone back there, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's gone back there as well. Yeah, I think putting him at number one is, is harsh because he gave us some, some great I think moments, just didn't that, he? That one moment at Wembley, though, because remember that was Grand National Day and, like, you know, it'll go down and Derby Day history, especially at Wembley, in such a big game to win. Like, you know, you could live off the back of that forever anyway. And, yeah, you know, So I feel like it is a bit. Harshly done, I think it's a bit harshly done that. Yeah, Sammy's a blue and he so we'll see. No, the uh, one good thing to note though is absolutely none of these sign ins are really in recent, recent memory, are they? And no, that's, no, no. that's, that's yeah, a million so miles away. Well, let's let's just quickly before we before we finish off, we normally do about 45 minutes, don't we? Uh, let's just finish off with the top 10. And I'll go through them. I won't, I, we won't do any, a separate thing. I'll just go through them all for you as well. Number I do 10. want to know though at the end of this who is your number one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to see. What, I'm going to see <laughs> whether it's the same one. And also, don't forget to get in touch with us as well. Uh, what's your uh, What's your Twitter handle, Kiva? It's Kiva Sports because I've got all the vowels in my name. It's C A O I M H E Sport. <laughs> I have to spell it out. To win and hand in Scrabble. That's all you I know. know. Connor Dunn 7 Connor Dunn 7 and I'm of course at Fitzy Fella uh, let us know what your top 10 and worst worst uh, 10 were in at number 10 is Jordan Henderson signed from Sunderland 20 million pounds in 2011 uh, you know apart from anything else to stick the guys out to, to oversee that and then to be where he is now yeah. uh, still still a stalwart still a, 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 a vital part of, of Liverpool's plans number 9 James Milner free transfer 2015 yeah again no complaints about James Milner. Absolutely not. Free country, you can't player. say bad to it, can you? And he's Incredible. retired internationally, so he's had a few weeks off. We've, <laughs> had, we've got the best out of his career. Absolutely. And he's played for a lot of teams. Absolutely. Number eight, Philippe Coutinho, uh, signed for £8 million. Boy, oh boy, what a, what a player. What an antique roadshow moment that is. That's like finding a constable in your, in your attic, not a copper, the painting. Um, yeah, incredible signs for eight million pounds sold for one hundred and forty-two million pounds. Still an incredible player. I'd still have him back into money. So would I. Yeah, but that's another point entirely. Let's, kick, let's yeah. kick that argument off. I think we've done that. Yeah, uh, number seven, Andy Robertson, Hull City, eight million pound, bought him for the same amount as Philip Coutinho. But what a player that guy is! I mean, he's just go for some strength to strength, doesn't he? Wouldn't be surprised if he's worth just as much now as Coutinho I, went to Barcelona for. That was a, that was a bigger gamble though because he was just unknown. I know he played that season in the Premier League, but he was unknown where Coutinho. Absolutely. Maybe people have heard of him, but Robertson was just not. I, well, I think I'm not sure it was a bigger gamble because people. I think because we bought him Hull, it was more of a disappointing signing. I think it was like, yes, nah, what are we doing? Because it was at that time on it when it was, we should be buying forty million pound fullbacks or left backs. We shouldn't be buying eight million pound. You know, he's he's that one Lo thing. And behold. Yeah. Lo and behold, boy oh boy, what have we got? Uh, number six, Sadio Mane, thirty-four million from Southampton in 2016. What a player! What game a game changer. And you think Sadie Man is in sixth here, by the way? This is yeah, it's quite yeah, some list. I know, I know, this is quite some list. It's a number big six, six. Sadio Mane. Okay. Um, number five. Number five, Luis Suarez. Uh, Ajax, £23 million. Pounds. We, we can never, ever, ever forget the seasons he gave us. That last season was a thing of wonder, was it not? Well, did he score like yeah. 61 goals in his last 81 games? Is that right? 61 in his last days he won. It's yeah. ridiculous. I think it was like a turn and of the tired moment and he brought us so much joy. And so Even close when to you, winning the league. Yeah, and so close. So close. I think he brought when you watch in, them yeah. clips back of him, just like the Torres sort of feeling of yeah. just like, that was just a Sometimes really nice time Sometimes the player time comes along and it, and, it, and, it, and it reminds the fans 
just what players can do. Just, just what, what they can do. What, what, what we need now to have. Now we've got loads of them, haven't we? Yeah, we've got a team full of them now. Suarez, number five. Number four, Roberto Firmino, Hoffenheim. £29 million. Another player, again, that people had seen on the, on the radar. Wasn't pulling up trees. It just goes to show, doesn't it, what a, what a manager at a certain club can bring out in a footballer because he's a world beater now. Yeah, I think, you know, Klopp, he's got a lot to thank Klopp for, but also, you know, Michael Edwards and the transfer team at Liverpool have done absolute wonders scouting these players and really picking the, the incredible potential because Manny wasn't that expensive, Firmino wasn't that expensive, Salah wasn't that expensive. Really, when you look in the grand scheme of how much players like that go for and how much they're worth now, and it's just a massive testament to everyone at Liverpool how good they are. It was like are. a forward-thinking thing because I don't think... Isn't this where the transfer committee and the whole thing? I think they signed for me. They signed for me, no, and, and we signed. Well, Rogers signed, signed Benteke. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like a part and ways, and yeah. he is summed up pretty much. Yeah, you know, and Rogers took him off all the time, or, or, or he never really played him properly, did he? And, and never really. It was like him. he was just waiting for Klopp to come home. Well, FSG really? wanted Klopp, didn't they? They wanted Klopp before Rogers even came. Before I think they've been, trying, they've been yeah. trying to get him, so they're obviously bringing in players for Klopp's mould. Before it even started. Interesting, so. very interesting point. Uh, so that's for me. No number three, Alison Becker, AC Roma, sixty-seven million pounds. Again, the difference has been extraordinary. And when you look at the the Champions League run last year, yeah. when we lost four games on the way to winning it, it, it saves against Barca, it saves against Napoli. Yeah, that save against Napoli to get Liverpool into the knockout is it's a ridiculous save from what was it Milik from yeah. point blank range. Point blank range. It's yeah. almost like it's it, it, it it's reminiscent of, of of Dudex against yeah uh, Shevchenko in the final. Messi at Anfield against Barcelona. He's pulled off a few good saves there as well. You know, massive amount of thinking for number two, Virgil van Dijk, Southampton, seventy-five million pounds. Uh, number two, number Oof, two, wow. Virgil van Dijk. Um, Sam. uh, yeah, Sam's doing this to cause trouble. All right, <laughs> he's got number one, Mo Salah. Now, look, we love Mo Salah; he's incredible. Yeah. Um, but let's hope Mane doesn't read this. <laughs> <laughs> or Mo Salah's getting a flip flop on the back of the head in training. Um, you know what? You could, I think, you could play chess with a few of them. Yeah, and absolutely. that's the beauty of Liverpool yeah. Football Club. Now, you can play chess with a few of them. Fernando Torres doesn't make the list. Javi Alonso doesn't make the list. There are people there that do not make the list that, that you go, wow. And I think the top two, everyone would have that a different way around because I'd be well, like Van Dijk. I think the top five or six you could, have, yeah, you could yeah. have in any other form. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well, it's it's testament to where we are as a club now, isn't it? Onwards and upwards. Uh, we have gone over. A little bit of extra time. That's no problem. Um, Newcastle next on Sunday and then Napoli and then Chelsea will bring together the first six games of the season. Let's hope we are six for six. Top of the league where we belong. Uh, Connor's on. Good luck with the wrist, mate. I hope you're feeling better. Thank you very much. And uh, Kiva, thanks again for your, uh, Thank you for your input. Much. And uh, we'll see you all again soon. This has been another Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz, Connor Dunn and Kiva O'Neill. See you on the next one. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.